gentlemen, thank you for joining us for another episode of Gran Turismo's. My co-host Eddie the Juarez Gomez broadcasting from beautiful Las Vegas, Nevada on the other end of that microphone. Myself, Tristan Roadbeef Bayless. This is the last episode before our show is a teenager. Join us for episode 12, 12, 12, 12, 12. So you were uh, you were just recently in New York City, weren't you? Yeah, for the, for this part of the podcast, we're going to be talking about uh, some New York World Tour information, Whoa. Uh, Whoa. experiences, how uh, how life was like for the very first event of its kind for TT Sport. It was awesome. Uh, I got invited as a uh, one of the members of staff, I worked kind of as a steward, sort of like more of like a marshal sort of situation without the flags. Hmm. So they uh, they asked me to go like maybe a month before the event was going to go down in late August, and yeah, I couldn't say yes fast fast enough. <laughs> that was that was a great message to get because I had already kind of. It was pretty close to the time when I had, uh, you know, after stage one had ended and I was feeling kind of down, like, oh, it's going to be so tough to try to go to any of these events. And then I was given a little, you know, let's give a little something to uh, a little, uh, you know, prize. What do you call it? Kind yeah, of. Blanking. Yeah. Yeah, a gift. Consolation prize. Yeah. Well, it's, it's a gift that's that must have been not just you know, any old random thing, but they had to have had a modicum of trust to offer it to you. For sure. It was, I was very grateful. So that was cool. I started getting ready mentally. I was like, man, I'm going to learn. I'm going to learn all about, you know, the systems and, and behind the scenes. And I got to be ready and prepared. I got to have a notebook. I got to, you know, start writing stuff down as soon as I hit the ground but it was a lot more chill back than that so I kind of over prepared mentally but that's fine mm. it put me in a good place uh, I had a lot of experience or I do have experience in like live kind of events world doing the work that I do so I kind of I was able to swim into the stream a little more naturally which is cool but yeah I was just excited to me because I've only the only other live event I've been to is you know Las Vegas regional finals for FIA mm-hmm. Nations Cup last year where mm-hmm. we both had a lot of fun and had a little disappointment but it was still really cool meeting everyone that was a highlight for sure and so I'm looking yes. forward to this world tour that was just pumped to to be like a fangirl be like oh my god there's there's <laughs> Mikhail there's uh well yeah that's a French guy one of many a <laughs> French guy <laughs> <laughs> there's hey. a Spanish I know Manny Rodri I know yep Coque yep Okay, the the announcer favorite, solid. Yeah. Guy. Hey, I'm wondering. So, you were asked to be kind of like a marshal, quasi steward. When you were given the invite, were you? Uh, did you prepare as? Uh, were, you, were you wanting to be like a strict sort of uh, a rule upholder, or were you sort of more uh, loose and fast? Would you say that you were siding with um, officiants or more so with participants were you kind of like a an intermediary uh what sort of was your position yeah well i was trying to be uh i was trying to play a very you know in a fair way just trying to stay impartial i started preparing uh and this and the way i started doing it was i was going back and looking at some incidents that i had judged on in previous leagues that i've that i've been a part of um i was looking at the history of you know mainly formula one like brushing up on uh racecraft and racing mm-hmm. etiquette and and just doing that kind of textbook cramming sort of thing and uh but without you know i i asked a few questions i didn't have uh i wasn't i didn't have people like the stewards that were actually going to be there that i knew were going to be mainly in charge i didn't i didn't have access to them so i i just i was i was assuming a lot so i was just i started getting prepared 
and like to take on the whole task of be, trying to be a steward. But then I talked to JT Lauro, who is just one of the nicest people ever. And, mm-hmm. and he let me know like, yeah, it'll be pretty chill. You know, it's just, you're, you'll be there to help where you help where you can sort of thing. So after I found that out, I was resting a bit more easily and I was ready to just, just sort of fall in where I would need to be. So yeah, it was, it was fun showed up there, there wasn't like they didn't hand you a brief like they just forwarded the briefings that the, the competitors got mm-hmm. and uh so you, you read through that you learned the uh the structure of the event itself made sure you were familiar with that and then just went from there and uh you helped out where you can because what i learned the main thing is that i had kind of run into during this behind the scenes uh experience was that uh, things are they're 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 really flex flexible as far as the structure goes in terms of figuring out the best way to do things. Um, they they definitely put a ton of thought into the structure on a you know macro level and in terms of the whole scope of the thing. They put a lot of thought like everything set out in meetings that they've had you know a long mm-hmm. time ago. Mm-hmm. But uh, as far as how things are running during the event itself, uh, things pop up that you you don't expect are going to be an issue, you know, like people's faces being, uh, you know, people having light hitting their faces too harshly mm-hmm. and each competitor dealing with it in a different way. And, and, you know, some guys are really insistent on like wanting a hat or something and, and then they're having to take the hats away. And so guys, you know, like, uh, like Lester. Lester. Yeah, yep. dude. Martinell, Turismo Lester. That was classic and, you know, ingenious, honestly. Yeah. I mean, you have – the light is harsh. You had the hat, right? The thing hap- that happened, one of the guys got away with it because um, they just didn't catch it. But the uh, the next time someone – well, the next time being Mark, a.k.a. Turismo Lester, he was in the rig, and then they, for whatever reason, noticed his hat – and they told him not to wear it because it had branding on it. And that was the issue. It wasn't like they don't want anyone to <clears throat> not have a hat on. It's just the uh, mm-hmm. the branding. So so you're saying if I have like a Puma hat or a Gran Turismo hat, it might fly? Possibly. Maybe. I can't confirm that because they, they may just try to, you know, when stuff like that happens in the future, it's a lot easier to handle stuff by just banning the thing altogether. Right. If you're going to have an approval process, it's going to slow stuff down. You know, so I hear that. I hear that, and I bet that uh, something like even as simple as a hat to block the light from your eyes, if it's if it's one out of twelve competitors competitors that has it, the others might be like, uh, you know, oh, that's an unfair advantage. Why can't we have a hat? And then you've got a whole new problem on your hands. Exactly. I hear that. And and the biggest thing was helping the guys that are new to the, the experience. You know, we had a few eighteen year olds like Hada. Jara, um, he relegado. He it was his first time there mm. at, at an event. Sorry, um, so you help guys like that, and then other dudes that have done them, you know, consecutive, like it's their sixth, fifth one or whatever. Those guys are just yeah, super chill. Know exactly what to do. They just need to be told like maybe where their where their rig is because it's a little tough to see. But the other thing being, they needed help with the uh, intercom system sometimes because. There was a dedicated team for it, but mm-hmm. sometimes they would they would be unavailable. So mm-hmm. I would just jump in because I know the comm systems pretty well. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I've got a question for you. So um, in Las Vegas last year, uh, there were a couple of moments between the the first day and the second day where the participants were kind of suddenly shuffled out of the way because uh, the uh, production crew needed to run a rehearsal of the uh, announcers and the presenters walking through a particular corridor and saying particular phrases and sort of introducing a segment of the show. Uh, Were you involved in those sort of rehearsals? Did you have like any part to play with that? No, in this environment it was better it was definitely better suited compared to vegas because you had a lot more room it was, it was an actual theater okay. so they had plenty of room to do rehearsals on stage and that allowed everyone else to to be able to do stuff on the rigs but um yeah if, if to bring it to bring you guys kind of into where i was at mentally I, i'll set the stage a little bit I'll give you a little play-by-play mm-hmm. play on how i had mm-hmm. the whole thing happen right so 
I show up, I fly on a plane over to New York. It's uh, I get there early morning on Thursday, this August 22nd. And they just told me, you know, show up to the hotel, uh, go to the... Uh, Go to, to the, go to the specific suite in the hotel to meet up with the other, uh, meet up with the stewards and to, you know, meet with everyone else. All the competitors were there. Some of the guys had been there since Wednesday night. So um, as soon as I get to the airport, though, um, I go into my shuttle and Julia Hardy is in there. Julia is the host of, you know, the awesome mm-hmm. blonde host of the whole thing since the beginning. Uh, super funny. She's just like, her on-air and off-air personality is the same, so <laughs> that's always it's always great to see her. And she, she was just she had been waiting in the shuttle for a long time, so she was she was in an interesting mood. She was kind of like, uh, "Let's hurry up and get to New York," kind of thing, because we were in JFK. But then, who else was on the shuttle? J uh, Super GT and Matt Gallagher from WTF One. Mm-hmm. So it was cool getting to meet. Super GT. He's super, super chill, man. He's he, a, he seems like a cool guy. Really cool dude. Really good at what he's what he does. I mean, he, it was cool getting to see his, all his gear and the way that he shoots B-roll or whatever. Um, he's just on it, man. He's like a one-man uh, production company. And he's really good. So. And uh, also on board, um, the French commentator and the British commentators. You know, mm-hmm. what's his name? Can't believe his mind his name's slipping me right now. Jimmy, possibly. Jimmy Broadbent, yes. Yep. He was on there with us. And uh also Christian, the one of the stewards who has been with PDI for a while and he had Kit Kats, so that was awesome. Great start. <laughs> <laughs> He's handing out Kit Kats. So we schmoozer. <laughs> head over. It was like an hour and a half to get from JFK through Queens into New York City Times Square where we were staying. Uh, super cool getting to go through the city like that with the huge windows and we were all tripping out. Uh, we get to the hotel. Every, I meet up with some of the competitors and then I take off because Thursday was the only day where I really had time to explore the city on my own. Mm-hmm. Everything else was scheduled after that. So I just took off, went to Central Park, hung out, went to Strawberry Fields and went to Made in New York Pizza to have a bunch of pizza. It was a pizza apocalypse. That was my main thing. Hmm. Just eating tons of pizza. And bagels. Like my goal was to stay away from anything franchised or corporate, and for the most part, I succeeded, except for one, one low light, (laughs) which I'll talk about later. The low lights are probably always indulgences. (laughs) Yes, it was very indulgent. It was it was cool though. That was a different thing altogether. I was hanging out with the Turismo guys, but um, yeah. So after. Everything was, you know, after I had my fun on Thursday, then it was time to get to bed and wake up early for the first briefing because Friday was qualifying day and uh, all of that. Mm-hmm. So I wake up, we go downstairs, I go to this this suite where all the drivers are at and all the other staff. And that's where I first encountered the whole thing with um, black shirts. And, you know, th- there there's now this distinction. I don't quite remember it being this way last year, but there's people that have the same the same kind of puma shirts as the competitors so uh, the competitors wear these what are now like a trademark gt sport red puma jersey kind of deal right Mm -hmm. and so the staff has the same thing just black and we also have cool sweet jackets which i will cherish forever there there are blacks black uh like cool little jackets so i went into this they told us hey grab a grab a thing out of grab a shirt out of the uh cardboard box so i did that and then i listened into the uh how elegant yeah (laughs) then i listened in on the uh discussion and then ken was like hey let's head let's get a jump on these guys we'll go to the theater and bring some you can help me bring some swag over there so we had cool like personalized or not personalized it was just it was swag that was just for the media attended attendees you know people like super gt the youtubers that were invited the, the like drive tribe people which was cool it was great to meet all of those people mm-hmm. uh so we went to the theater and the theater was awesome just down the street right near Times square under underneath the mtv studios um huge theater lots of uh set up chaos as i'm used to seeing in my trade it was interesting getting to see it in new york and uh yeah from then on it was just like 
business as usual helping you know uh, seeing the rigs from last time i don't know if they're the same ones if they're like the same rigs touring around all over the place but uh it was nice i, I gave the rig a little tap on the on the seat like a like a like if you would tap an old horse or some shit mm-hmm. <laughs> kind of like hey betsy it's good to see you again it's okay girl <laughs> <laughs> you got it <laughs> kind of like a superstitious thing yeah that's cool. Uh, I did get to try. I snuck in a few sessions in between things when I knew everyone was busy, and I was like, you know what? I'm loading up Spa. I'm gonna take this <laughs> competition car, this Red Bull competition car, around Spa and see how I stack up against these aliens. Mm-hmm. So, does Spa look nice to you? Yeah, it's beautiful. Uh, yeah, I mean, you feel right at home, but you just notice the trees more. You're like, dang. The Arden, yes. You've played a, a lot of all of the GTs, and so um, it's okay if, if it's hard to tell because time has passed, but would you say that the Spa for GT Sport looks like an update of GT5, GT6, or is it more or less the same? Did you notice any particular differences? Yeah, I had to shake my uh, perspective a little bit because I sat down and I was like, yes, this is very familiar <laughs> you know because mm-hmm. you're like you're so used to gt5s and gt5 they killed it it was, it was great it looked better than it should have really so you sit down on this and it's like similar lighting but that's the only different that's the only similarity uh it's like a style thing that that classic gt kind of clinical style okay um but then you start noticing all the people on the side of the track inside the uh, paddock you start noticing all of the trees and the, the stands being much more detailed, the curbing being much more detailed. Mm-hmm. And then also the new stuff that wasn't in the previous uh, iterations, like bollards, green bollards, like Lamont style green bollards or whatever. Those things have, you know, people call them pylons. Some people call them like breaking markers, that. that sort of thing. Apex <laughs> yeah. markers. Probably yeah. noticed like foliage that moves with the wind of the cars, which I think is specific to GT Sport and hadn't seen that before. Yeah. yeah, the car rushes past, and the the wake of it will like blow flowers flat on the ground for a second. Well, first thing I did was uh, hit those things, break them. Excellent, excellent. <laughs> you got to find out what's destructive, right? Because some of those things have mass, and people who use apex cones might find that if they hit the apex cone, it goes on track. It's visible to them, and it's solid to them, but it's invisible to everyone else. So it's kind of a hazard. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they are. You never know who can get caught up in the next one. Yeah. But I would, before continuing on, uh, I did want to start to s- congratulate the people who had a success in New York. So, super congrats for Nations Cup to Igor Fraga. Mm-hmm. Who, and, uh, who just won at Imola again in European Formula 3. That guy's on a roll. Yeah, amazing job in Formula 3. Very competitive series. Um, he's showing insane pace in places he's never been so it's looking up in more ways than one for fraga for sure yep and i think we're all happy to see him succeed in all of the things that he's doing man and so uh, the other side of the weekend was manufacturer series and it was great to see mercedes finally clinch a uh, mm-hmm. an event in the way that they did. Mm-hmm. So we had Ant and Bernal and uh, Cody Lakowski um, yeah, from Mercedes. Um, those guys drove brilliantly, all three of them. Yeah, it was cool watching the Interlagos race, uh, seeing how each driver kind of handled their compound. Um, a big props, hugely to Bernal for his run on the softs. Man, he uh, he was a cut above because he had to fight off a lot of you know buzzing hornets around him so to speak mm-hmm. and yeah that was a treat watching that and of course big ups to my man adam adam suswillow it was amazing to finally get to meet that dude uh 10 years in the making <laughs> we've been playing gt5 since gt5 that's cool <laughs> came out we're doing leagues all man just so much racing and uh he was always such he was always the big like he, the big badass, insane time mm-hmm. guy would make you cry with his times kind of dude. So it's cool to get to meet him, and uh, he was he put on such an amazing show, man. Like both in his per, uh, personal race, the one in Fuji, 
and then also obviously in the final race at Interlagos, it was just well, oh, intensely good. Mm-hmm. That's really cool. You know, making those online friendships that uh, that last through camaraderie and competitive thrills to finally meet someone like that in person is just great. Uh, it's sort of uh, it, it, even though the friendship had solidified before, it's it's just like this further sort of a. Uh, you know, you're casting the friendship into a mold, and now it is like this beautiful uh, finished product. Now that you've met in person, uh, that's a that's a special privilege. Yeah, man, and there's, I, I'm that's why I'm excited for you to go to Austria, firstly, and so you can, oh, I can't wait. you know, so your wave can crash up against the the other side of the Gran Turismo <laughs> world, the other regions. Yep. Uh, we're gonna have a great time, and I think they're all gonna love you. And they're and you're gonna find your particular buddies that you'll click with hard and start, you know, drinking too much with. And... <laughs> what are you suggesting? Ah, <laughs> oh, this Austria is full of great beer, and you need to take advantage. Yes, of that. yes, it is. Oh man, I lived in Germany for a couple of years, so I can't wait to go back and have some Wiener Schnitzel, some proper Hefeweizen. Ah. Uh, yeah, it's, it's culinarily going to be quite the delight, um, and certainly the culture I am uh, quite a fan of, um, and there's going to be a lot of great guys there. In fact, uh, several of the uh, West Coast participants, uh, Dodge Lamb and Outlaw Quadrant and uh, TRC Stagger and I think Ant as well, uh, five of us are going to be all on the same flight from SFO to Munich, so uh, many, yeah, man. Many, many a beverage will be had together, I think. Yeah, and you all worked hard to make that happen too. It didn't. It wasn't. You know, you guys had to make that happen. Yep. I mean, obviously, Gran Turismo paid for it, and they're amazing and all of that. But if like initially, they just gave you your tickets, and you guys could have just said, "Okay, we'll we'll fly separately." But it's always it's always nice when you ask and you receive. So you got all you guys had to do was ask, and that's how nice they are. Totally, so. dude. I can remember you know days not long ago where that sort of simple initiative would rack my anxiety just too much um it, it's amazing what uh, just a little courtesy along with a little bravery can do for um results in that way exactly yeah man definitely looking forward to hearing back and doing the podcast afterwards hearing about your experience from uh, there it's gonna be a pitching camaro i'm gonna be you know i'll have uh a lot of Instagram posts will have, uh, I think, uh, what is it, uh, Periscope, I think. That's the, the live streaming thing that you can do from yeah. your phone through Twitch or, or Twitter. So, um, you know, at Roadbeef and, and, and OG Roadbeef, uh, I'll definitely be having a lot of those things shared. So keep an eye on it, and I'll try not to be too obscene. I promise no nudity unless Armin forces me to. Yeah, and I've, I've paid Armin <laughs> off, so... It'll happen. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, so, I, I have nothing not to be proud of, so just deal with it. <laughs> oh, man. So let's get back to let's get back to New York, my friends. Um, there's some questions that I've got for you. Um, I think that uh, everyone's attention has been uh, around um, the Igor versus Mikhail Heisel incident at Eau Rouge. And... Uh, I, I, I want to levy that I think the five-second post-race penalty was actually fair um, because it, it wasn't hugely over the line what Igor chose to do with trying to break the rhythm of, uh, of Mikhail behind him, but it was over the line enough that it required some kind of penalty. And if, uh, if Lightning didn't have to save fuel or whatever and wasn't just over five seconds behind you, probably would have gotten the victory and, and deserved it to get the victory. Um, but it's certainly been a point of controversy with many different opinions of whether or not there should have been a, uh, uh, a penalty at all. We've had real life racers saying like, Oh, this is a regular thing we do. in, in like GT three class cars, will lift a little bit at or through a rouge and throw people off so that they lose all their momentum. And we keep the position before we get the tableau at the top of uh, the Kemmel straight. Um, if you are willing to, uh, aside from the stewards, uh, viewpoint, just as a racer, just as Eddie, the Wardes Gomez, as yeah. we all know you and love you, what's, what's your personal opinion? Yeah, this, it's, uh, it's unfortunate that 
these uh, sort of things get blown up as much as they do. Because uh, if you do it in a lobby race, obviously it's no big deal. But when you're on a stage like this one, to me, it was a more, a much more of a mental sort of. Uh, it, it was an emotional reaction from most of the people because you expect a sort of thing from a person that wants to win as, as much as Igor does. Mm-hmm. And it's something everyone can, uh, can uh, respect and look to as an ideal. But when you're on the other side of it, it can be really tough. And it, and it's, uh, to me, um, if it happened to me, I, I just would have been like, damn, I should have seen that coming. Um, I still would have asked like, why did it go down like that? If I was Mikhail, um, but obviously I'm not, and obviously there's more to it than that particular isolated incident because it had there had been a lead up of uh, maybe built up pressure uh, that was you know that kind of almost blew up at that moment, mm-hmm. and yeah, it's like when you have that many P2s, it can get really annoying. But yeah, it's just it's an unfortunate thing. I, I don't personally, since it is a sim, you know. I I don't uh, buy into the whole thing where it's like oh if it had been it had it been a real race um, you know it, this could have been a an incident that led to uh, you know crazy injury or death mm-hmm. but um, mm-hmm. there's a, that's kind of, to me that's kind of a cop out because <laughs> like if it were real I think oh, you wouldn't be able to drive those cars in that way. I mean, there's a lot of questions that fall off from that perspective. If you're trying to nitpick or cherry pick that particular um, aspect of it. But I think it would have been, um, to me, it was just, it was a game of chess, right? Where Igor knew what was coming and he was trying to avoid the pass, mm-hmm. but he did it in a, in a, in a really, um, close kind of in an ugly way. I wouldn't say dirty, you know, uh, he, I don't think he expected it to go down in that way, but yeah, yeah. it happened. And, and you can't, you, uh, just personally, I would never advise, uh, about, yeah, I would never advise doing any sort of lifting going into Rouge, but, uh, like the thing that he did before, where he lifted at La Source, turn one, mm-hmm. and let Mikhail get by, and then go around. I think that's pretty much where you want to play it. But you, you just—it's one of those decisions where you just never know how someone's going to react. So I wouldn't even leave. I, I, if I was Igor, I wouldn't have tried it there. Maybe going, maybe after Radion, once you're over the hill and everything, maybe do it up there and see how it goes. But. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it was very unexpected, not advisable, but at the same time, stuff like that happens in racing where a guy will go for some crazy late move and you just got to deal with it on track. And and the way that uh, Mikhail got um, so upset that he kind of just threw in the towel, that that also made it really unfortunate. So mm-hmm. I think it's up to you to react Uh in in a way that's that's not detrimental to your race and i think everyone can learn from this the incident oh, and for sure. i just don't yeah. like how divisive it's going i don't like how it's made uh further division right uh, between regions it's certainly and cri- going into the it's crystallized like region. a ton of salt you know across you know south america and europe those yeah. those guys really are like the, the big fans are kind of they were for a time like you know in the first forty eight hours were calling for blood <laughs> a little little too ridiculous of reactions, um, but I hear you and uh, I'm of the opinion that maybe Igor was too good with his defense uh, in such a way that uh, the the strength of his defense just made it too obvious. And I agree with you that if he had perhaps lifted after ready on and it was on the Kemmel straight. Um, in such a way to just unsettle the, you know, the, when was, uh, Heisal going to, uh, pull out from the draft to overtake, force him to pull out a little bit sooner than expected. And maybe Igor holds the inside line into Stavolo or whatever. 
um, no, not Stavolo. I'm, I'm messing up my corner names, but at the top of the Camel Street. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Then that could have had like the same result. Or what if Igor had just decided, you know, I'm not going to play any games, period, and just drive as fast as I freaking can and hope that the, the arrow wash effect from, you know, every corner prior to sector one is enough to keep him off my back is enough. There's a lot of arguments that you can make either way. Um, I wonder if, uh, after the lap previous where he, uh, being Igor had pulled aside after Losaurus and let Heizal lo- go fast or go past him to get then the uh, immediate draft um, to sort of secure his overtake. I wonder if like after that lap, he's like, okay, you know, Mikhail knows what I'm going to be up to. Um, if, if I do it again, then perhaps he's going to be the one that lifts at Eau Rouge and deny me the the run-up Kemmel straight. Perhaps he was trying to play like the meta game of anticipating the anticipation, and that might have done him in and caused him to then decide to be almost too deliberate with his uh, lifting going up the uh, uh, Rouge. It, there's there's a lot of like yeah. possible uh, scenarios and reasonings behind it. Ultimately, though, uh, it was just a little too obvious of a move. Well, here's the thing: is uh, reasoning is like a dance. It's like a fight or whatever. You learn how to deal with your partner over time you learn their style you learn all kinds of stuff uh we don't have the luxury of doing uh, a whole career of karting and or a whole career of junior formula racing where for the for example someone like botas and ricardo they had a lot of time to get to know each other when they were racing and you know formula renault and all this stuff leading up to f1 but these guys they're being thrust into this racing environment and they're learning each other's um, styles live in person on the, on a huge stage with a lot of focus on them. Mm-hmm. So like uh, to put it in a weird example, Mikhail and Igor were fighting and maybe Igor wanted a punch. <laughs> maybe Igor wanted to go for like some, you know, punch to the forehead and he, instead he like hit him in the eye and everyone's like, Hey, that's an eye gouge. Mm-hmm. And they're all like, he must have done it on purpose because now he can't see that well out of his left eye, so it messes him up for the rest of the fight. Mm-hmm. But there's an aspect of mental. Uh, they're definitely like on like uh, I know Igor and on a superficial level, he's a great kid. He's super nice, and obviously when you're racing, it's different. But um, I don't think there was malice behind the the thing. Like I feel like he's just maybe too used to a certain kind of driver being behind him and that he maybe assumed that Mikel would have seen what he was going to do coming. Yeah. Yeah. Like he was assuming that he was going to have to take it to the next level. And on Mikel's side, I wouldn't say that he needs to expect something like that either. I'm just trying to illustrate where the mental, um, you know, where the mental state might, may be going into Cause when, when the pressure is this high, man, it really changes people and some people react differently. So you got to be aware of that. And Mikhail, now that he knows, you know, he said some stuff on Twitter to the effect of like, now I'm going to, now that I know how you race, I'm going to, you know, try to adapt and I'm going to come back and, you know, completely uh, overtake you on the, or I'm going to do, I'm going to, he feels that now that he knows how Igor is, that he can one up him and own him on track. Mm -hmm. And so Igor is also going to have to realize, like, he kind of ran out of, maybe ran out of tricks, right? Right, it's showing your hands, maybe perhaps too early. True. So they're both going to have to adapt. And Igor has more experience, so Mikhail's got to realize that as well. And I think <laughs> you get salty at first, but it makes you grow as a driver, as a person, and all of that. So I think it's nothing but, but good. Uh, it was a little controversial for... Gran Turismo in general, but I think there's no, you know, that old saying, there's no such thing as bad publicity. Mm-hmm. It definitely holds true here and a lot more. So, for example, my perspective, I check different forums. I check Twitter and all that stuff. But one of my favorite places to look at it, to see reaction is the Gran Turismo subreddit because the Gran Turismo subreddit is, like I've talked about and complained about in the past, it's mostly about trading pictures of new liveries or whatever. Right. But I haven't seen as many threads pop up about the FIA events than I did when 
as soon as the incident happened, like so many people were saying, what do you guys think of the Hazal incident? And they weren't just referring to, because previously they would only say stuff like, oh, the, the FIA tournament had some crazy racing in it. What do you guys think? But now they're saying, they're, they're you know, citing specific names, citing specific um, driver uh, incidents and stuff like that, which excited me. So that was cool. Right. It kind of like increased the minimum level of required interest so the conversation can be furthered. Yeah. I hear you. But the bad thing was it seemed like um, Kaz wasn't, like he didn't take it very well. He didn't like, like on Twitter he made a, I don't have it in front of me, so uh, It was like, uh, I, I want all victories to be great victories or something yes, to that effect. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. And and he was bummed out, man. Uh, yeah, rightfully so. He, to me, he sees, he has a, an idyllic take on what racing should be. Mm -hmm. And he's trying to foster a very specific type of competition. And to see, like, his boys, so to speak, kind (laughs) of have an incident and and for them to... It's like he, you know, he, bef- he wants it to be cutthroat but romantic and like ruth- <laughs> yeah. ruthless but respectful. And and the balance can't be achieved, but it's certainly going to be difficult. Yeah, I think he'll be okay. He's a big boy for sure. <laughs> it's just that, right. I don't know, I, I can't completely, uh, you know, I don't know what his headspace was. Or what He may have been disappointed in something altogether different, but mm-hmm. uh, on a... Uh, I think I think we could all agree that it had something to do with the incident and the way that the uh, competitors uh, were treating each other after it. So. Yeah, yeah, maybe it might have been the lingering emotions that that kind of caught him off guard. Um, but certainly, it's like there's gosh, there's so much to be learned from from not just the incident, but like the aftermath. Um, and uh, it certainly excites me for Austria. And I, I hope these guys aren't going to be you know. Uh, crappy to each other i i would like to think that there's still going to be some mutual respect because in the end they're both top flight competitors and they both learn things from each other and what sort of doors that unlocks to possible competitive yeah. scenarios in austria um it's going to be exciting to find out for sure i don't know if igor is going to be in austria i'm time for rope beef to step it up <laughs> yeah dude i have <laughs> ultimate faith but well you're not gonna be in nations for austria yeah i guess not i guess not but you know maybe i can <laughs> you, 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 I'll, I'll spike someone's drink and then i'll take their place right you know it's yeah. like armin you've done enough racing dude uh yes my name is uh, uh stagger and i can i i'm <laughs> I, I, i'm definitely you know uh Ar- armenian from southern california <laughs> but it's close enough right it's only 600 miles away <laughs> you could definitely pull it off i i think but um wow yeah that was quite a little tangent going into the hugo <laughs> the hugo the hugor incident <laughs> excellent that's excellent the hugor incident <laughs> um i'm wondering the the streamers super gt as well as um wtf1 they were at new york city um, WTF1 particularly, were they um, planning to like write an article? Were they more so just sort of like tag-alongs with intentions to write articles for future events? Did you get kind of much of a, a I don't know, a, a, a strategy from them? For sure, yeah. I love talk to, talking to those guys about it because they're so excited to be there. Um, GT's doing a great job. Uh, Polyphony and Sony are doing a great job of, of raising awareness of the game by bring, bringing in the right people and, um, you know, WTF1, if you haven't checked it out, they're kind of a more like Generation Z uh, centric uh, media outlet for F1 and racing in general. Uh, so especially, or not especially, but they definitely do cover sim racing a lot, uh, mainly F1 esports. So to bring them in for their take on things, uh, wine and dine them was definitely a smart move. They were very excited to be there. I had an uh, interesting connection with Matt Gallagher, the host of WTF1 because I was in Austin 28 last year. Well, yeah, I was there last year, but I think it happened in 2017 where he interviewed me for the show or for the channel mm-hmm. and they quizzed me and I got every single question right. Hmm. They were trying to make it, th- it was a segment to the effect of like, 
oh, American F1 fans don't know much. And like 90% of the guys on the video didn't, but me and this other dude knew our shit. So the only thing I got wrong was Max Mosley. I forgot Max Mosley's name. <laughs> I just said, I was like, uh, BDSM, uh, yep. Nazi yep. party. Uh, yep. <laughs> <laughs> but I couldn't get his name. You got all the tags yeah. right. You just yeah, missed the title. Exactly. That's all. That's close Look enough. Look him up. You know, you would have been able to find him if you were if that were like a YouTube search quiz. Exactly. But so it was cool. I saw him on the on the shuttle bus, and I know he actually remembered me. So that was cool. But afterwards, for the rap party, talking to him, he was like, "I'm a part of the family, mate." <laughs> he was the, he, like super GT. Gallagher, the other people, like they felt so welcomed. They felt so immersed. Uh, I think we all we all had a hand in that. You know, that was they. You know, Sony and uh, Polyphony could have sent those. You know, brought them over to New York, and it was if it was up to us. Like if we hadn't welcomed them the way that we had and all that, mm-hmm. I think they they wouldn't have been as uh, moved by the whole experience. But we all had a hand in helping to make sure those guys were welcome and and uh, feeling like like they really like we really wanted them to be there as we did and they had a great time. That's cool. That's cool. It feels like really, it's really, really it's really ramping up for the second year. And um, yeah, there was another very large um, corporate participants uh, in the form of yeah. Michelin Michelin tires. Well, let me just say, man. Um, you know the Michelin man, insane drinker, dude. He's <laughs> shot after shot. With all those rules, I would expect him to be. <laughs> yeah, and he sounds like every time he walks, it just sounds like a bunch of tires rubbing up boom, against each other. Boom, 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 boom. That's amazing. So, uh, did you get any kind of inside information as to, um, you know, they're obviously they've invested in 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 at least like a baseline of sort of just a billboard sponsorship of like Michelin will show up when you're like in a pit stop or whatever but um are they also going to do what Yokohama did with GT6 and try to help um PD with like a new physics slash tire model do you know anything of of that sort of of information yeah all i know unfortunately is what was stated in the presentation okay um Beyond that, we weren't really. And thus know, concludes I, this episode of Grand yeah, Turismo's still really sorry, <laughs> but uh, I think they they want to do some some cool things with the partnership, and uh, it's just I think birth been birthed. So the first showing of it was the the graphics on during the tire stops and stuff. Okay. But going from there, yeah, I think they it'll be maybe a thing. And this don't take you know don't take this out of context because I said maybe and I said I don't know for sure. But I expect GT7 to have more fruits, you know, that are that are results of the uh, partnership. Mm-hmm. I mean, they have you can tell they have their mind in the right idea. Um, how uh, like in Gran Turismo Sport graphically, at least we have. Uh, chunks of rubber and road debris sort of gathering offline as the road as the race progresses um so they know that tires do this thing called degradation they they understand that like you know temperature has a role to play in blistering and uh all sorts of things like this uh compound differences and uh sidewall flex and uh if they are you know hoping to if they are aiming to get the uh just the realism turned up yet another notch to uh, try and rival something of like a PC simulator, then I'm certainly all for it. And, uh, you know, what better company than Michelin who, um, you know, I've worked at a Porsche dealer for six years and I worked at, uh, independent Porsche repair shops for like another six years before that. Um, and in my experience, Michelin are second to none when it comes to, uh, build quality of the tire and the consistency of the product that they make. So, uh, I'm very excited for the, the future collaborative efforts, uh, and the results that they may bring. Yeah, tires are extremely difficult. It's a black art, man. And you know, David Kamer, or however that's said, mm-hmm. Ka Kamer. Kamer. He, yep. yeah, he's i racing like, like chief kind of coder designer, and he, he a lot of the time he spends is just trying to crack the, the code, you know, the matrix kind of code of uh, getting tire physics right, and that's what. Um, Kazunori mentioned during that presentation is that they the tires are always surprisingly to them the most difficult aspect of of trying to simulate real life racing in a totally, video game. Totally. So, 
there's a lot to it and i i would see like to me the big sign of uh progress in gt would be seeing tire temperatures on three power, three points of the tire yeah 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 for sure um, inside out middle and outside yeah totally that'd be huge and tire pressures as well uh, which i think gt yes. should tackle tire pressures have been absent since the birth of gt which is interesting. Yeah, yeah it's, it's always been said you can change everything else, but you can't change tire pressures. But the way that I read the uh, statements in the presentation was that, especially in this one point that Kaz noted where he kind of desperately said, like, we... Uh, and then, obviously, you know, this is a caveat here because I learned... I heard, you know, translator-san saying, I, I don't know Japanese, <laughs> but... Uh, he mentioned that they needed help with the tires in a way of like, please help us. We need someone to help us with the tires. Mm-hmm. So they're they're looking around, and hopefully Michelin has some stuff because yeah, I mean, he also mentioned in this presentation about uh, how and when Cos drove cars in real life, like the Nurburgring or the many events that he's done, um, he mentioned that yeah michelin tires were the shit bro Mm -hmm. always the best (laughs) always the ones that you had that were just the operating range was wider than other tires like uh, and if you don't know what operating range means it's um basically just the tires you know have a temperature that they run best in and it's sometimes it's a narrow window where it'll it'll be maybe like 40 degrees and then it could go up from there or down depending on the manufacturer and all that. Yep. And he was saying that, yeah, Michelin's always been great about that, that you can push them and, and they're very easy to push and, and they can last a long time and all of that. So mm-hmm. totally. It's, it, it is, as you say, a black art, you know, when tires are half rubber and half plastic these days, you got to consider the metal structure, the, the, the sort of interwoven uh, uh, metal strands that are in there of different materials of, uh, you know, steel and titanium and who knows what else. Um, those all have a very specific like uh, heating and expansion properties. And that all goes into um, sort of the frequency of the tire, because uh, when you try to yeah. the, figure out how to make it last as well as simulate it, you don't have like just one or two or three oscillations going into the tire. You have like dozens. You've got all the suspension components, the the bushings that have give and make their own oscillation. The the brake disc as it heats and cools changes its own frequency of oscillation. The the wheel itself, not not to mention driver induced oscillations of like your hands on the steering wheel and how that force transmits through the steering rack and the tie rods. And as you go over bumps, further oscillations are introduced to the tire. So uh, accurately, not only coping with this in the real life, but also replicating it in the digital life uh, has got to be like a crazy mountain to surmount. Yeah, I would definitely agree. And it's hard to be picky and choosy with what elements you were wanting to, you know, replicate in the game. And which is why I think their approach has been so sort of static over the years, because maybe they figure, well, yeah, we could put in tire pressure or whatever, but it won't relate to the rest of the tire model in a realistic way. So why even bother until we really get it right? Sure. They want to offer customization, but also want to deliver a consistent product. It You know, that's a difficult balance. For sure, and especially when you have people, you know, making their whole like. It's interesting the GT community over the years because you see certain guys that hang around Facebook posts or you know GT Planet, what have you, and and some of the guys have made it their entire digital life dedicated to like one feature. Like one guy will be like, "Please, please give us Spa." Or please allow Canada, Quebec to compete. Or please let us have tire pressure, and that's all they care about, seemingly. Yep. Or throttle mapping yep. with like with outlaw. Totally. And and yourself. So it, it, these are things that all need to be addressed. But it's a it's a battle. Yeah. And it's and you definitely never know what you're going to get and what's in the pipeline. Absolutely. What their priorities are. For sure. That's probably a cast for another time. And we've probably covered a little bit, but nevertheless, it's a topic since it's unresolved. We can continue to discuss like the. Um, you know, the minutia of those things and why exactly, like, isn't throttle mapping being addressed? Perhaps it's a, an equalizer between those who use wheels and those who use D-pad. But, um, mm-hmm. you know, there's there's got to be a ton of decisions that are made behind the scenes that we can only guess upon. And, uh, you know, to make... I think the important thing is to not make any, like, absolute conclusions on these things because how can we know for sure? But it is certainly fun to speculate. 
definitely is. And uh, I think there'll be a few surprises coming in as far as uh, the evolution of GT goes. Um, this partnership with Michelin really made me excited because I've always been a huge fan of Michelin and what they do. Their tire technology is almost second to none. Um, maybe Bridgestone, Yokohama is close, but they've been in the game for so long. They, they like it's it, it's a black art and it's it's very proprietary as well like they don't share secrets and even in uh, f1 when when the races would be over or practice sessions would be over they would have uh, michelin would have a team of guys going up and scooping up all the rubber so they can make sure no one else gets it first of all and then secondly oh, wow. so they can study it yeah and yeah man it's crazy so I'm, I, I was excited to hear the, about the, <laughs> the, the partnership the post-race michelin zamboni just going out there and collecting <laughs> like the rubber tidbits uh that's that's yeah, a funny visual. So yep. we got this uh, this new update 1.43, and we don't have Spa yet, but we at least have a wet Red Bull ring and uh, and a few new cars. Um, I'm wondering. Uh, I've only driven once with uh, the wet stuff, but uh, do you have an opinion? What do you think? Yeah, I'm glad they finally put it in. Uh, it's been a long time coming, uh, but it's really fun to kind of have a a single track to sort of have fun with it. To me, it's it just feels like someone's gone off, out and sprayed a track. they dumped a bunch of water on a track because mm-hmm. it's not very, you know, it doesn't even, it's not progressive or anything. It, nothing, it's static, you know. Right, so, right. Water's not like flowing across it. Yeah. One thing, a lot of people aren't getting this, uh, they're getting a, a false impression about this uh, wet weather driving and GT Sport because they're, trying it out with the um the real grip or to the, the grip modifier it's set to uh not real i forget what the other one's called mm-hmm. oh, the, oh so if you set it to low it feels too grippy so you make sure that it's set to real otherwise you're going to be like oh i can use slicks it's like yeah because you your modifier isn't set up right mm-hmm. But uh, I had a lot of fun with the carts, trying that out. It, it is extremely difficult. Um, but it uh, definitely looks really good, which we expected. Uh, it's an improved feel from GT6. Not as ice skatey. It's more predictable. But the skill gap is still large, uh, like between drivers and cars. And curbs are instant death, which was kind of fun. Mm-hmm. Certain cars. Um, but, yeah, I had fun. I always like the challenge of wet weather driving. It's always been something that you feel like you can get a leg up on is the great equalizer or whatever. Totally. What, what's your take on GT Sports iteration or version of it it is an improvement from gt6 um for the differences in grip particularly between you know the the pavement and the the curbing and oh yeah the surfaces yep and i i did notice that there is a a finer detail in grip levels and sort of like grip curves uh in relation to um slip angle and um if you stay within you know a, a narrow let's say i think it's like six to eight degrees if i'm to guess um, slip angled sort of, you know, inducing some understeer, not really trying to kick the car out. Um, the car feels manageable and through the force feedback, you can, uh, with, uh, you know, a tactile feedback, you can feel where the, the grip kind of starts and it ends. Um, and beyond that range, the car just sort of falls off a cliff and it kind of hydroplanes as soon as it starts to kick sideways, which I like. And it is, is more realistic because, um, once you've got the wheels turning sideways against water, they're brushing the water out of the way in a, in sort of a different vector. And, uh, you do get more of like the tire standing on top of the water instead of digging in and pushing the water out of the way. Uh, that is a, a realistic component. So, uh, I have a lot of appreciation for that. I'm disappointed that we only have it on the Red Bull ring, but I think that's probably more limited to just, you know, available manpower for programming as well as, uh, you know, pay, perhaps, uh, PS, PS4 processing limitations and, um, you know, download size limitations, because I'm sure it's, you know, it's not just a track overlay. It's like basically a completely new track file that they've had to make uh, with uh, uh, the different grip levels. It's just like when you're 
texturing something for like a quake or whatever. You've got to maybe maybe the polygon um, positions are the same, but all of the constituent calculations that go into like what is uh, more solid than the next polygon are, are different. So it's it's like starting from scratch almost, uh, essentially just from a wireframe up. Um, so I bet that takes a ton of time for them to make. Um, hopefully they'll have maybe something more adaptive in the PS5 where they can just do a, a flip of the switch and a polygon is affected by uh, a, a secondary sort of like overlay rain polygon system so that they don't have to make, you know, two versions of each track just to have wet tracks. Um, hopefully that won't be the case because that will certainly be very limiting. Yeah, that's definitely true. It's, it's, it's just a drawback to this super fidelity um, graphical quality that we have now. It takes a lot more time yep. to make it consistent. Uh, I have a friend, he's on PlayStation, or he's one of my random PlayStation Network friends, yes? His name's Frogman Lego. Big ups to him. Definitely add him on the PSN if you want to have some uh, tasty tidbits dropped into your inbox here and there. But he let me know about this uh, rain texture that he found on Sardinia, hmm. which they let slip. That's interesting. It's a yeah. I forget which corner it is, but I have the screenshot, and you can definitely see that they mistakenly allowed the rain version of the track one in in a, in like a super small, maybe like a two foot square area near, near a barrier. Hmm. And uh, this eagle-eyed dude found it. So it's just little by little they want to... So Sardinia, if I were to put money down, I would expect to be the next one. Okay, okay. And the the new tracks, the newer tracks, I think, would be first to get the rain. Uh, I did try Spa, and there was no rain at the time that I tried it. There was no rain setting. Just... Just so everyone knows. Can you can you remind me because it's been a while? But the GT6 when you had rain selected, was it like a percentage of water on track, or was it just like one setting? Yeah, I don't quite recall. I think I remember GT5s more, but I think it was the same. But there was one value. There were two values, uh, and it was a percentage out of a hundred. One of them was like likelihood of rain and the other one was like intensity i think Mm -hmm. so it didn't allow you to actually define how much rain there would be but yeah uh to to be honest though at this point it's been so long since rain's been a thing in gt that i'm kind of like ah it's cool i mean I, I did like the I like having I did like having it around for novelty in GT5. Mm-hmm. Every once in a while, you, you'd want to shake things up and have a rain race, but not many. After the novelty wore off, not many people were like insistent on doing rain races very often. Mm-hmm. There are definitely exceptions to that. I know there were some crews, some some forum threads that were all about rain, and like the hydro homies got together. <laughs> and ran around and around and you know comfort hards and you know super formulas all that Hmm. yeah i'm enjoying seeing people challenge themselves so that's cool doing crazy combos should i uh have a portfolio of suggestions to take to the next event to just basically like corner someone at pd and be like okay you need to do this with photo mode and you need to have these tracks and you need to fix fix the throttle mapping damn it (laughs) i think if you focus your suggestions and you and you make it because a lot of people make make the mistake of trying to talk to them about a few different things i mm-hmm. think but if you focus it down to like photo mode stuff okay or the throttle mapping thing depending on who you're talking yeah. to uh, you might have more success because especially if you talk about talk to the photo thing photo mode if you talked to a few people about it then yeah cool yeah i hear you so just keep it keep it simple stupid and <laughs> yeah. um, and certainly deliver it like okay this is already awesome here's how it might be even more awesome would you like to know more <laughs> okay we'll keep that in mind you know certainly barraging them would be uncouth and 
I can imagine they might be justifiably annoyed by that, so I'll be careful. But uh, if the opportunity arises, listeners, know that uh, I have your best interests in mind and we'll see what we can accomplish. Yeah, I think that's a smart way to go about it. Um, but a lot of the PD staff are, you know, restrained. They're a little introverted or whatever. Some of them aren't so much, but they're also busy a lot of the time. So right. you pick your battles, you talk to who you can talk to and i think you'll you'll be good yeah man. it seems like it'll be interesting they're, it seems like they're all going kind of full throttle ever since last year certainly last year they were like we don't really have time for much right now aside from this <laughs> <laughs> um did you get the impression that they were uh more relaxed or less relaxed at new york city compared to vegas um yeah, more relaxed, I would say. They're, they're definitely hitting more of a rhythm. Last year was very new, and uh, things were changing all the time, and the unexpected incident, you know, unexpected issues would arise a lot more. Mm-hmm. So Toyo-san was super cool. So his name is Toyo Teramoto. Sorry. He is pretty much the lead of the competitive stuff, and we have him, him to thank for the great success that the live event tournament procedures and all that have gone. Mm-hmm. So he's super cool, super, super nice. Uh, and yeah, he was pretty relaxed. Uh, anytime there was a little issue, he would fix it right away. Anything we alerted him to, he took seriously, but you know, he was never like visibly stressed and stuff. And yeah, he had great communication. Uh, with everybody it's from what i can tell because a lot of the stuff like i had him in a in a earpiece and my you know we had walkie-talkies in our ears mm-hmm. and he would speak japanese most of the time but every once in a while i would be understand what was going on and i'd be i'd hear them speak japanese and then here and then in the middle of it they'd say lexus uh and then somebody's name and i'd be like oh it's the wrong name on that rig so i'd go over and fix it and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was very nice, and all the guys that were involved in the replay switch, like video uh, switching, mm-hmm. so switching between perspectives and all that. Those guys were all really on it, and yeah, they just uh, they seemed like yeah, well disciplined and and super serious about it. So, but still having fun. Well, I can't wait, dude. Yeah, I think, and if you get to, uh, well, you are going to get to World Finals. Let's confirm that, right? Uh, I'm not sure. We'll know. We'll know Sunday. You know, we've we've got like uh, six days left. Well, I was just going to say because I'm really hoping for the best in, in that when it comes to that. But World Finals would also be a great time because they're to talk about suggestions and feedback because at that point they'll kind of have the tournament behind them for this year. Yeah, I mean. Gosh, it, it's pretty cool to qualify at least for just one event again after the uh, the amazing experience of last year, which had some mild heartbreak, personal heartbreak, um, you know, flubbing qualifying in the first race, but whatever. It, it's cool to, to go back again. And that you've sort of graduated to this uh, administrative capacity um, is befitting, I think, of your intelligence and interest level um, and... Gosh, dude, it, it's cool that uh, the Gran Turismo's are experiencing this from both sides now. <laughs> yeah, but I still definitely want to compete. It's like I'm out, I'm outside the castle, and you're inside the castle, <laughs> <laughs> and we have to go to another One... castle. <laughs> yes, we got to find all the princesses. But I have one foot in each side of things. I definitely want to compete next year. Um, I know they're going to go even bigger with the next year and, but next year is also the third year of their, um, their experiment. So the, everything has to go yeah, well. The FIA collaboration. Will continue. Yes. I think it will. You know, I get the impression the FIA are pretty impressed with it. Um, you know, ultimately, and I don't mean this as a derogatory means, but it's just the way the world works, but money talks. Um, so I think that the popularity of this, uh, uh whole venture is increasing and, uh, I'll do my best to try and contribute to it in such a way that, um, you know, we, we attract more positive publicity, um, in what ways that I can. 
but I also want to experience some fun for myself. And what what can we do but just try to have as much fun as possible? And um, yeah, hopefully it's enough. I think so. I think that's a, a great way to end the episode as well. Put a great ribbon on the whole thing. Totally. Well, for uh, for those listening, um, the Oscar World Tour is uh, <laughs> just uh, two weeks away, less than two weeks. I think it's 12 days. Uh, I'll be flying out on uh, uh, today's uh, Monday night, the, uh, what is it, the 2nd of September. I'll be flying out a week from tomorrow, um, heading over to Austria. So we're, we're getting close, dude. And then uh, Tokyo's uh, October 24th, 25th, uh, World Finals, I think, is November 23rd, 24th. So we've got like three events, uh, you know, back to back to back for each month. And um, certainly when I return, we're going to cast and I'll tell you guys all about it. Uh, I'm going to want to hear your opinion, Eddie, on like all of my experiences. And I'm certainly going to have like lots of befuddled questions <laughs> that only you can answer for me. Um, <laughs> I, I look forward to it very much, my man. Oh, it's going to be great. I'm, I'm so glad you're going to be like Austria is going to be a great one just because you're going to meet everyone and then hopefully your races go well and then going from there it's just going to get even better and better so I'm glad to have you like it's such an asset man I can't thank you enough for being part of the show yeah. and it's going to be a really really fun end of our year uh, for the podcast or, or last quarter of the year for us is going to be just a highlight after highlight and it's going to be really fun to be on the journey with you uh throughout the whole way man just helping in any way i can any way i can absolutely yeah. absolutely dude it's a privilege so thank you for everything that you do <laughs> thank you boom there's episode 12 thanks for joining us have a great evening morning afternoon wherever you may be mm-hmm. peace out fellas peace out big kisses from tristan mm-hmm.